This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. can't believe we get away with this every week, but get away with it. Indeed, we do. It is time for you to control the next hour of content. Take a break from uh, listening to whatever my whim is for the other 19 hours a week. And as long as you come up with a question, you can be heard and control the dialogue for the next hour. 800-848-9222 is our phone number as we embark on another edition of... The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. If you are new to the program, and uh, based on what we're seeing, we're getting new listeners all the time, this is an opportunity to ask Frank anything. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that I have the answers to everything. You want to ask me the ultimate answer to life, the universe, and everything? Well, that one I do know. The answer is 42. The more difficult thing there is the question. But if you have a question as to my opinion on something, even if it's something that we haven't addressed on this show, you have a question about the radio business, you have a question about my preferences on something, you have a question uh, basically on anything that I can offer you, if there's something that I've brought up on air that you you feel I haven't fleshed out enough, if there's a a story that I've told that you want to know some context to, some background on, questions related to uh, baseball, pro wrestling, cocktail, cinema, a world of Affairs, you name it, now is the time to ask it. 800-848-9222. And I don't want to get you too excited, but to whomever comes up with the best questions in, really, I think it's going to be probably solely in the discretion of Matt Blaze because he's kind of the senior member of our production team at this point. Whoever comes up with the best question, the most creative, the most interesting, the most original, the one that sparks the most conversation is going to be the recipient of a magnet. That's right. It is a magnet emblazoned with our show, The Other Side of Midnight. You can use it on the refrigerator. You can use it on the car as sort of a magnetic bumper sticker, whatever you want to do. However you want to do it, that's your business. Our business is giving it to you as long as you come up with the best, the most interesting question. 800-848-9222. Let me begin with Ben in Brooklyn. Hello, Ben. Hello, Frank. Thank you, uh, call screener, for taking my call. And yeah, I was just thinking about uh, favorites. What's your favorite um, uh, sports team? Um, it's the my. It's the New York Mets, but okay. I I do uh, have a fondness for the Brooklyn Cyclones and uh, the Staten Island Ferry Hawks as well. But at the major league level or the equivalent of the major league level in other sports, it's the New York Mets. All right. Can I ask another one? Sure, go ahead. Or another favorite? Yeah. Uh, how about your favorite board game? I think that was my first question. Oh, well, you know, that's a good one. 
because I have two depending on who I'm playing with. Um, I th- th- my two favorites are Risk and Trivial Pursuit. Honestly, it's tough for me to get excited about any other board game. Those are my two favorites. If we have five, six, seven hours, I am all about risk, especially, I don't know what it is, but especially with guys, that's a lot of fun, I guess, because every guy, there's a part of him that thinks of himself as a, a as a dictator or as a general in the tradition of uh, Alexander the Great or Genghis Khan, and these can get very heated, particularly if you add alcohol to the equation. And Trivial Pursuit, I just, I love trivia. I love learning new things. I love uh, trying to answer questions. I love asking questions in a fun manner. I love announcing how people go around the board. You know, my friend um, Joe Borelli, who's now the minority leader of the New York City Council, does a great job. He and I were friends long before he was in the city council, and he's got a, a really good op-ed in today's New York Post, which I may chat about a little bit later. But he and I, along with a rotating cast of other characters, sometimes my friend Anthony Magliaca, sometimes his then-girlfriend, now-wife Rachel, uh, other people, we would play Trivial Pursuit every Sunday. I mean, every Sunday, we would go for a nice, leisurely brunch, the kind of brunch at an all-you-can-eat place that it takes five hours to recover from, and then we would uh, we would play Trivial Pursuit every Sunday. And I miss those days. Obviously, we all have kids now. We're all busy with other things. But I really do miss uh, playing it every week. It was a lot of fun. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Ed is in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. What's your question, Ed? Hi, Frank. Do you believe in the devil and Satan? I do, yes. Yeah, I do, too. Yeah, I do. I think... Um, uh, you know, I, yeah, I don't know how to put it beyond that. Yes, I absolutely do. 800-848-9222-800-848-9222. Walker is in Manhattan. Hi, Walker. Uh, hi, Frank. I know you've seen the Star Trek the original series and maybe the next generation. Yeah. Do you see any parallels to the two wars going on internationally in terms of strategy, frustration, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, uh, the, you know. That's a really good question. You know, the one, and I hadn't thought about it until this very second, so if I had more time to think about this, I might have a, well, a more well-thought-out answer, and I am, I am actually going to spend some time thinking about this. But honestly, the, the episode that mo- most comes to mind in looking at both the Russian-Ukraine war and the uh, Israel-Hamas uh, war is the episode, Let That Be Your Last yeah. Battlefield. Do you... I just saw that okay. last week on TV. So for people yes. that are not familiar with that episode, it's a wonderful episode. It's with Frank Gorshin. And you have two rivals that are of different races that have been same species but different races in that species. And it's a wonderful episode with Frank Gorshin. And um, they've been fighting for a thousand years. One has been chasing the, the other around for a thousand years. And to the viewer, they both look identical. It looks like two people that are half black, half white. 
And then maybe about two-thirds of the way through the episode, if I'm remembering it correctly, Frank Gorshin is explaining why he hates that race, why he hates that other species. And they're all looking at him like he's crazy. What what are you talking about? What do you mean? You guys are the same species. And um, he explains, well, the other guy is black on the right side and I'm black on the left side. And people of that race have all these negative connotations. And honestly... Um, the Israelis and the Palestinians and the Russians and the Ukrainians have much more in common with one another than they have differences. And I think for them to be fighting over land or ideology or religion, I think if an alien species was looking at the um, the, the fact that they're willing to be this deadly with one another, they would view this conflict, both of those conflicts, as just as silly as we view that episode of Let That Be Your Last Battlefield. Why don't you have the screener do a countdown for everybody who's waiting, like saying, you're next after that person, that person. You know, that's not bad. Uh, Honestly, a lot of it is kind of spur of the moment. uh, And we have, um, you know, so few phone lines that will probably, as long as anyone's a decent caller, that will will get to everybody relatively uh, quickly. You know, I don't know Nick's screening ability that well. If it was Kenneth, what I used to have Kenneth do is rank who he thought was the best question and then go to that person next uh but i don't know if i'm willing to vest nick with that kind of authority and trust his judgment to that end yet nothing against nick he might be um you know the the best screener of all time it's just i don't have that level of of trust with him uh just yet 800-848-9222 steve uh, what's your question how you doing frank i'm glad we're talking about television um i always thought that Tom Hanks would play a good Bill O'Reilly if they were to do the story of his life. So my question to you is, if you were to, I guess, have a movie made about you and your life, who would you see or would you like to play as Frank? Well, I I always thought that the answer was uh, Ernest Borgnine. But, um, you know, obviously Ernest Borgnine has uh, passed on. And uh, so then, because I think we are we are about the same height, we have a, a similar build these days and the same size hands, and because we have a similar intonation, I think that uh, maybe William Shatner would be a, an effective person. Oh, now, wow. if we can't get him, uh, then so be it. But I think that... Um, you know, there's a lot of other good choices, and some may not be household names, but a, come that come, a couple of come, that come to mind are maybe someone like John C. Riley, who I think is a very good actor, and I think he has the kind of range that he could pull off all the kinds of stuff that um, that I do. And a lot of people are going to laugh at this because he's much more handsome than I am, but again, when you cast real-life people, you know, you're always going to pick someone that's more handsome. Handsome. I think Bobby Cannavale would be a terrific Frank Morano. I, I think really he would uh, he would hit it out of the park. I think he would be really uh, stellar. And then uh, an actor that maybe uh, some people may not recognize the name, but you've definitely seen his work before, uh, Giovanni Ribisi. Uh, Giovanni Ribisi was in Ted. He was in Boiler Room. Uh, those are, I think, what he's probably best known for. A Million Ways to Die in the West. 
uh, Saving Private Ryan he was in. I think he would be a terrific Frank Morano as well. So I'm going, my four are Shatner, John C. Riley, uh, Lee Schreiber, I'll throw him in there, especially when come spring when I'm at my thinnest, then maybe I think a Lee Schreiber can pull that off effectively. And, and part of the reason I'm saying Lee Schreiber is because I saw him on Broadway in the play Talk Radio, and he so gets it. He knows how to pull off being a late-night radio talk show host. And I think, just to give him a few more elements of Moranoism, I think he could pull that off. So it's John C. Riley, it's Shatner, it's Lee Schreiber, and don't laugh, you know, it's Bobby Cannavale. 800-848-9222, Russ is in White Plains. Hi, Russ. Hey, Frank, the guy on Billions, you know, in Sideways, he could play you too, you know, the Attorney General. Uh, uh, Paul Giamatti. Okay, well, yeah. I don't know. He strikes me as a little a little more uh, shrill than I am, but okay, <laughs> he's a good actor. Good. I... And, and savvy. But what I wanted to ask you is what happened to this Israeli General Nimrod Aloni? Have you heard about him? I, I've heard about him, but I can't tell you uh, what happened to him. I mean, I know that he was, uh, they, he, they said that he was taken prisoner by Hamas, but uh, an IDF spokesperson uh, denied that. So uh, I don't know. I don't know what right. his story is. I just well, go I've by the reporting. I've been trying to do my homework real quick for the last 10 days. And, of course, the AP, AP reported the Israeli military said the claim, they claim that he was an academic who was about 67 years old who doesn't look like the athletic guy in the photos. And then recently I saw that this general was involved with diverting funds for arms trafficking, and they're talking about where did yeah. Hamas get these weapons Russ, from the Israeli underworld? Russ, I don't know. It is interesting, and uh, I I don't know what the story is with him, but uh, I think it's definitely a uh, a story worth paying attention to. Hey, Ellen sent me a text message, and you can too, at 8168Morano, that pretty soon my favorite board game will be Candyland. Carmine does like Candyland. It doesn't do it for me, honestly. I I don't find it challenging. I don't even find it that fun. So, I don't know, maybe I will change my tune when Carmine is more enthusiastic about it because I have tended to take on uh, liking a lot of the activities he likes. Although he's starting to like a lot more of the activities that I like. He likes ping pong, loves going down to the basement and holding the paddle and trying to hit the balls, loves handball and uh, doing that kind of thing. Uh, seems to like football. And likes, uh, he, I can't say he likes baseball, but he does like swinging a bat and throwing things. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's uh, eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Gino is in Manhattan. Hello, Gino. Hi, Frank. Um, segwaying right into Paul Pelosi and what happened with uh, that case today. One thing that comes to mind is, you know, in everything else making sense. You know, he he went in, he attacked Paul Pelosi, and he's going to serve a sentence, but. Um, what was up when the cops came to the door and they opened the door and they were both smiling like there was some kind of joke? I mean, that never came out. That was never followed up in the press. And it was just something that was a little bit mysterious to me. You know, honestly, I watched that video um, and I didn't notice um, Paul Pelosi smiling. I, I, I didn't. I mean, I'll, I'll watch it again, but I didn't notice Paul Pelosi smiling at all. To me, he looked, um, you know, pretty nervous, actually. I, I, I don't think that he was smiling at all. I mean, uh, you you think Paul Pelosi smile? I mean, look, it's, it's tough to tell because their faces are a little obscured, but um, 
you know, you thought Paul Pelosi was smiling in that video? To me, he looks very nervous. Not have, but the other guy, the guy that was attacking him. Yeah, well, I think that guy's honestly a lunatic. I mean, if you listen to the, what he was saying, I mean, I, I think he fits the textbook definition of a lunatic. So it wouldn't surprise me that he was smiling either for the strategic purpose of trying to convince the police that he was actually a friend of Paul Pelosi, or because he's excited at the fact that he's about to bash Paul Pelosi's head in with a hammer, or going even crazier. You know, he may think that this is his way of solving the QAnon conspiracy. So, uh, but, and again, I just looked at a, a portion of that video again. I don't see Paul Pelosi smiling at all. And uh, honestly, if you listen to him in that 911 tape, I think he handled himself very well. I think he sounded calm. I think the 911 operator could have done a better job, but uh, I think that's really kind of a textbook way to handle yourself when you're on the phone with 911 when you're under some sort of duress. 800-848-9222. George in Pennsylvania, what's your question? Uh, how are you, Frank? Uh, good evening. Um, I wonder what you thought about this, uh, you know, gene um, modifications, CRISPR. Well, I, I'm really intrigued by this, and I've had a lot of uh, a lot of conversations with Art Kaplan over the years. I think it's great if you can, um, you know, use it to uh, cure a genetic mutation or uh, save someone from some sort of a genetic disease. I think the uh, the tricky part for me ethically is: do we want someone? Do we want someone using CRISPR to create a to basically do genetic engineering and create the best uh, football player of all time? But I think if you look at the potential that CRISPR has for muscular dystrophy, for cystic fibrosis, even for blindness, and you look at all the people that are that are afflicted with those conditions. I think it offers an enormous amount of potential, personally. 800-848-9222. We'll continue with your questions in a moment. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. I see. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. This is Flo Rida featuring Jason Derulo. If you ever want to know what kind of bumper music we're playing on our show, join the Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com slash groups slash Radio Morano. It's also meant to be a 
platform for what, um, you know, anything anybody wants to say about what's going on on this show. So uh, go to Morano Radio Fans and Haters on Facebook. You can hear all of the music or see all the music that we're playing as we embark on another edition of The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Pete in Piscataway. It's that away. You always have an interesting uh, question. What do you have for us today? Hi, Frank. Should the Mets sign Otani? Ten years, fifty million dollars a year. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Now I say that, even knowing the Mets' history as a as a Met fan, my entire life, what we've seen is the following: the Mets will find the greatest players in baseball. Uh, Mo Vaughn, Justin Verlander, uh, Brett Saberhagen, Tom Glavin, uh, you, Bobby Bonilla. They'll throw mountains of money at them, and then two things will inevitably happen. One of two things will inevitably be, will happen. As they're signing their contract with the Mets, they will get injured and be out for half the year. Or they, as soon as they start playing for the Mets, they will all of a sudden forget how to play baseball. That being said, even though uh, there's a good chance that would happen with Otani as well, I believe that when the history of baseball is written, Shohei Otani will not just be a Hall of Famer. I believe he will be uh, known as the greatest baseball player of all time. I believe he will be mentioned in the same breath as people like Babe Ruth and Hank Aaron and Joe DiMaggio. And when you have a chance to sign the best baseball player of all time, no matter what the cost, you do it. But also for business reasons. you The amount of money that the Mets can make in merchandising, in terms of television rights in the Japanese market, in terms of all sorts of licensing and merchandising opportunities that Shohei Otani would be integral to is incredible. I mean, to, I know he can't pitch necessarily yet because of that one injury, but... The fact that he, they have a chance to get the guy who's probably the best hitter in baseball and the guy that might be the best pitcher in baseball, you do it. You do it, whatever it takes. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Mike is in St. James. What's your question, Mike? Uh, two quick ones, Frank. Uh, as the city's financial condition gets more critical... Would the city council have the authority to place a tax on bank deposits? In New York? Yes. Yeah. Well, it's a tricky question, and it's never been tried before, so you can bet that would be litigated through the courts. I'll, I'll give you my reading on it as someone that worked in the city council for, uh, for a time. My reading on it is they would for any bank that uh, was entirely constituted within New York City, but maybe any bank that was located in New York City, period. However, uh, they could not do that without the approval of the state legislature. The only tax that the city council can raise on its own without the approval of the state legislature is uh, property taxes. So they would need the state legislature to approve that. I see. Okay, now in regards to uh, Gaza, the people fleeing the war zone, do you think they approved of the invasion 
of Israel? I, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea, honestly. My guess is that many of them didn't, but some of them probably did. Uh, but I, I can't. You're asking me to essentially know what's in, what's in someone else's mind and in their heart. So, I mean, it's a pretty instinctual thing that when you see bombs are about to drop on you, you run away and get out of the way. So did some of those people approve of the attack on Israel? Probably. I suspect many of them did not, though. But I have no idea. That's the God's honest truth. 800-848-9222. One open line if you have a question. Robert in Suffolk, what's your question? Hi, Frank. Hi. Uh, Pets and kids go together. Does Carmine like the cats, uh, interact with, pet them, uh, recognize them as uh, living creatures? Oh, yes, very much so. Um, he he, uh, he tried to kiss Bathsheba yesterday. He, uh, he loves to um, pet them. You know, Prissy doesn't even let me pet her. But, yes, he, um, he, he loves them and tries to interact with them as much as, uh, as, as he can. They are not as crazy about him, and uh, Prissy totally steers clear of him. And Bathsheba, now that she's a little slower and a little long in the tooth, she doesn't move as quickly to get out of the way. So um, she will once in a while let Carmine try to pet her. But, yeah, he really loves them. It is not reciprocated on their part, from what I can tell, especially on Prissy's part. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Chris is in the Catskills. Hi, Chris. Good morning, Frank. Uh, right now, there's a case being heard in the state Supreme Court of New York, the Buffalo District, the matter of Hoffman versus the New York State Independent Redistricting Commission, which the case is about the U.S. congressional districts, who gets the right to redistrict them. Uh, the judge is Honorable Rowan D. Wilson. After the scheduled judge recused herself six months into the case just last week, how do you see this case um, going, and, and when do you think a decision is going to be rendered? Well, and just a, a point of uh, clarification, it's not the state Supreme Court, it's the Court of Appeals, which uh, yes. is the highest Thank court you. in New York State. I don't know. I would hope that we get a decision next week, but honestly, the Court of Appeals does things on their own timetable. 800-848-9222, I Let me say hello to Alex in Brooklyn. Hello, Alex. Yeah, hey Frank. Uh, I want to ask you, who do you think is now the most influential and most important media personality in the United States? Uh, last year, would have said Tucker, but with him being on X and not anymore on Fox, who do you think is now the number one? Uh, well, I mean, it's not a news media personality, but it, it is a media personality. It's Taylor Swift. Okay. Uh, I don't I mean, think th- I don't think there's actually anyone even close to her. I think she's far and away right. uh, the only person that can um just by her presence uh, kind of totally change the direction of anything. That's true. So, yeah, Taylor Swift is my answer. Thank you, Alex. 800-848-9222. Terry's in Rockland. What's your question, Terry? Hi, Frank. Yesterday morning, I was listening to an interview about a book um uh, written by Anthony Hamilton, titled Mind, Time, and Power. And then I clicked over to your program, and I caught the tail end of you talking about gratitude, one of my favorite subjects. And I'm wondering, is there a book that you can recommend about gratitude? Um, hmm. 
Well, there, there. I, I'm sure there are a bunch of books that um, you know that deal with with gratitude. Um, I know, I know. I've seen a lot of them advertised, but but I don't want to invest in 29 books. Yeah, so I, I'm hesitant subject. to I'm I'm hesitant to offer one because I'm sure there are a lot of good books uh, written on it that I haven't, uh, you know, that I haven't really been exposed to or read. I'll tell you the book that I'm reading now uh, by Robert Greene, uh, "The Laws of Human Nature." There's one small. Uh, part of it that's about gratitude, but it's 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 a minor minor part of the book. So I, I think it's a great book worth reading, no matter why. It's called The Laws of Human Nature, but uh, I uh, I really don't uh, I I don't know that I can um, you know I don't know that I can name a, another one. I'm sorry about that, but I wish I had a better a better answer there. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. We will continue with your questions straight ahead. The other side of midnight. Side at Midnight with Frank Morano. This is George Jones. It's finally Friday, and at least on the East Coast, they are celebrating Friday. So uh, Friday is a fun day, and it's a great day. You're brimming with optimism from the weekend, that is for sure. We celebrate Fridays by tackling your questions on any subject, 800-848-9222. Ed is in Westchester. Hi there, Ed. Hi, Frank. Uh, Frank, I am a bar mitzvah DJ, and I'm very upset by something that you said in the past, and I wanted to ask you about your experiences as a event uh, videographer at bar mitzvahs. Mm-hmm. And my question to you is, um, how many of them did you do, and how slighted could you possibly have been to think that September by Earth, Wind & Fire is not one of the greatest oh. dance songs of all time? Um, I, I'm going to say conservatively... I'm going to say about 120. Okay. I just, I, I don't know. I just find it, uh, I, it doesn't sit well with me. And I think it's from, from that, uh, you know, from just the repetition. There are some songs that wear well upon hearing in them and hearing them and hearing them. For me, that's not one. Appreciate the difference of opinion. 800-848-9222. Marvin, what's your question? Yeah, hi, Frankie. Uh, hi. It's been a while. Hey, Kim said to say uh, hello. Great. Um, well, tell, tell uh, what did you say, Kim? Champ. Champ. Tell Champ, Champ. hi as well. Champ, you know, and up and down AC. But my question is, why in the NFL do they talk about a Hail Mary pass? When you say, why do they talk about it? What do you mean exactly? Well, no, they say, well, it's a Hail Mary. You know, 
it, it, Hail Mary is a, a prayer of adoration. I'm 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 a devout Catholic. But you know they. So you, you want to know why it refers to a long pass thrown, you know, down the field? Right, right. I see. The, the, my gotcha. Okay. Um, my understanding is it goes back to the 1930s, and it was used by uh, two members of the Notre Dame football team, the Fighting Irish, and they started calling it a, a hail mary because they would uh, they would kind of say a hail mary and pray before uh, to making this long pass, which is often game changing and oftentimes might yeah. have little likelihood of success. Yeah, but, but I think Frankie, it, yeah. but Frankie. Uh, 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 a play of desperation would be a uh, you're requesting a prayer to St. Jude. You know, what, I mean, you can, if you ever manage a football team or coach a football team, rename it the St. Jude Pass. I'm fine with me, but I, I think it comes from Notre Dame. 800-848-9222. Bob is in Manorville. Hello, Bob. Hey, Frank. Um, out of the three uh, mafia movies, um, Goodfellas, Donnie Brasco, and Casino, which one do you think is the most accurate, and which is your favorite? My favorite is an easier one to answer than the first part of your question. My favorite is Casino out of those three, uh, but um, I've never been in the mafia, so I can't speak to what's the most accurate. However, I do do a podcast called The Racket Report, and I, the last question that I ask all of my guests, and this includes gangsters, journalists, lawyers, family members of gangsters, victims of the mob, prosecutors, and judges. And that is always my last question. Which mob movie is the most accurate? And I have gotten uh, a multitude of answers, including some films that I haven't necessarily seen. I think that um, out of those three, I'm probably going to say Donnie Brasco. However, and if this makes sense, Donnie Brasco is... Accurate in its depiction of the mob and its depiction of the FBI mob relationship, but it's not historically accurate. There are incidents in that film that never took place. There are things in that film, while they purport to depict real events, that um, should have been included that were not. So it's not historically accurate, but it's accurate-ish, if that makes sense. I I hope that makes sense it's accurate and realistic in the mob fbi relationship it's not historically accurate in terms of being true to form with what happened it's kind of like you know i interviewed the um the gentleman that wrote boardwalk empire for one of my um ac reports the book boardwalk empire and i asked him about the tv show boardwalk empire which is based at least the title was taken from his book and what he said was essentially the same thing that they changed the name of the main character so that they could take fictional liberties with the character of Nucky Thompson, Nucky Johnson in real life. And I think that's kind of the same deal. It's depicting a real-life feel and things that could have happened, but it's not depicting things that did happen. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Joe is in the Queens. Hello, Joe. Hey, Frank, I have a two-part question. Uh, first of all, for people uh, right now that are in the 20s and 30s, girls, guys, 
do you think things have changed in terms of going out, whether it be a movie, bar, club, uh, where uh, they would be better off going with friends? How many friends? Uh, should it be a mixed group as compared to previous years? And why would that have changed? My second question is on time management and well, time blocks. Uh, Joe, I'm not clear on your first question, right? Is, I guess the question is, is group dates versus individual dates? Is that the no, gist of it? No, not dates, not dates, just where, you know, you would go out with a group of friends. Do you think people are better off doing things more on their own with a group of friends as compared to previously? And, and more friends, one friend, two friends, five friends. And, and why why would that be the case? Yeah, I, I don't think there's an optimal number, and I think there's I think there's plenty of opportunity and a lot to be said for both. I think if you're looking to get in some um, quality time with someone you're already acquainted with, I think a one-on-one interaction is much better. I think if you're looking to um, get to know more people and get to know, uh, get, kind of play mad scientist and mix and match certain personalities, then a broader group is, is probably better. Even though this is, my wife is probably screaming at her radio or her mobile phone because I always invite a hundred people to everything. I think over 10 people, it becomes tough to get quality time with all the people there. I think 10 people or less is best for uh, an optimal social evening. What was your second question, though, Joe? Yeah, time management and the idea of time blocks uh, where uh, people need a certain amount of time. Now, two examples. Say you wanted to watch a Netflix movie and you were so busy you uh, did it in five sittings or somebody might be talking to you and say they're so busy they'll put their phone on the timer for 10 minutes and say this is all you get. What do you think of that? I, I think that makes sense. I think that's good. I've tried to do that to some extent myself, and, uh, you know, I think that makes a lot of sense. Alfredo in Newark, what's your question? Yes, uh, yes, Frank. Uh, uh, 1944-45, you are the president of the United States, and you have to take a decision. Uh, to bomb Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and you know already that 100,000 people are going to die. Do you take that decision or not? You know, this is a very tricky one, uh, and it's one that I've spent a great te- great deal of time um, thinking about. And I I appreciate the arguments on both sides, but... I think through the prism of hindsight and seeing how history played out, yes, I would have done what Truman did and I would have uh, I would have given the same order that Truman did. And I think it probably helped precipitate an end to the war more quickly than it otherwise would have ended. And uh, yes, and for a bunch of other reasons, I would have made the same decision that uh, that Truman did. So it's a tricky decision. It's um, not an easy one. I do think it was the right call. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Dave is in Pennsylvania. Hi, Dave. Hi, Frank. I have a twofold question. The first is, do you believe at some point that artificial intelligence will obtain consciousness? And the second part would be, do you think that the key to immortality lies in the genetic DNA code? It, well, I, I don't know about the second one. Um, I think the answer to the first 
question is absolutely yes. I think we're very close to that already. So, um, yes, I think, uh, you know, at the rate that AI is developing and improving, I think you are going to see in the very near future AI possess consciousness, 100%. Paul on Long Island, what's your question, Paul? Uh, My question is if you've ever done yoga before. I have not. The closest that I've come to it, and I have a cousin, my cousin Diana is a master yoga instructor. The closest I've ever come to it is I was doing an interview with Diamond Dallas Page, and he does this thing called DDP yoga, which is very popular. And he um, he had me do a yoga uh, pose or a yoga maneuver on the air while I was interviewing him. That's the closest that I've ever come. It's just that one move, and I don't know what it was called. But, um, I, you know, I, a lot of people swear by it, and certainly my cousin Diana is among them, not only for the physical benefit, but um, also, you know, I had a friend. I haven't seen her in, in uh, a long time, but I this is a, a really nice person. This per- my, a friend of mine, Rebecca, she was really into yoga, swore by it. So seeing the improvement that yoga has had on a lot of people's lives that I respect, I I absolutely would try yoga. I absolutely would. I You know, I, I think it's a great thing. It's good not only for staying in shape, but I think it's good for flexibility. And thing of, things of that nature. Uh, Danielle is in Brooklyn. Hello, Danielle. Hi, Frank. Hi. Um, I was wondering, like, if you're a person of faith, it's kind of like, you know, you have the uh, belief that, like, the, a man from the clouds, like, made man on earth and made all of life. But do you believe that the answer to life as it exists, like, with the, chemi- with the like, compounds and chemicals and everything from what we see to feel, do you believe that the answer is actually out somewhere in space, like far, far away where no man has gone before? Or do you think or do you believe that there's some kind of higher power with a little like a uh, magician stick like going? Well, so I definitely believe that there is a a higher power. Um, but of does course. that preclude that the answer is is not in space? I don't know the answer to that either. I mean, I, I look when no, I say I believe in a higher power. Opinion, I guess. Yeah, no, no. So I I I believe that there's a higher power that created everything that we know and see. Now, could that higher power potentially be? somebody that programmed a computer simulation that we're all living in and the entity that we know as God has uh, set all of this into motion? I think maybe, maybe. Uh, Could the stories that we see in ancient biblical texts of angels and uh, Nephilim and other things that have divine characteristics be extraterrestrial? Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Uh, The only thing that I do know, Danielle, and obviously it is an opinion question, is that I believe that there is something that created all of this, something or someone that created all this. Because if there's not, that's awfully depressing. I find it depressing. It's a real bummer. You do whatever you can. You you have uh, whatever 80 spins around the sun if you're lucky, and it's all gone. I find that pretty depressing. So in order to... I don't know, not be chronically and perpetually depressed, I'd like to think that there is hope for life everlasting. 800-848-9222. Brandon is in New Jersey. Hello, Brandon. 
Uh, Mortar Frank, out of um, all the uh, the eras in American history, what woman do you find the sexiest and why? Like, um, well, yeah. Well, a specific woman or? or No, no, like this style, like, you know, whether it's uh, pre-colonial and like the black gowns or, or uh, gotcha. flapper or women from the 80s. Yep. Uh, well, it's not that. Look, I think there's a lot to be said for any... Um, in any era, I think there's a lot of beautiful women to be found in any era, even the big hair era of the 80s. I'm going to say the uh, the 60s. I like the, you know, I, I, you know, talking about Star Trek, seeing the uniforms that the female crew members went, wore on Star Trek, I think that is among the, the sexiest depiction of women that have been in anything. And I thought it was uh, revealing, but not uh, obscene, if that makes sense. I also liked a lot of the hairstyles. Um, you know, I just, yeah, I'm going with the 60s. That's my answer. I think there's a lot to be said for the women of any era, but I'm going with the 60s. Two open lines if you have a question. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Russell's in North Carolina. Hi, Russell. Hey, Frank. Hey, look, I got a question for you. I know uh, you, you talk a lot about, you know, extraterrestrial life and everything else. But what is your take on Bigfoot, man? Because I haven't really heard you mention that a whole lot. Well, I I have done quite a bit on uh, Bigfoot, Russell. And if you email me, I'll, uh, I'll send you a couple of segments that I've done on Bigfoot. I think uh, I think there's a very good chance that uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, Sasquatch, Bigfoot. I think there's a very good chance that there is some creature out there that exists like Sasquatch. So yeah, uh, whatever you want to call it, I think uh, I think there's a very good chance that it exists. Um, would I swear by it? Of course not. But yeah, I think there is. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Peter is in the Queens. Hi, Peter. Yes. Uh, hi, Frank. Good evening. I want to ask you a question. You you ever use drugs? You know the the not legal drugs or oh, illegal drugs. Yes. No, I mean the um the cl- closest I ever came to doing illegal drug was uh drinking alcohol before I turned 21. Oh, so you never use drugs, eh? No, marijuana, cocaine, no, nothing like that. Then why are you such a dope? <laughs> I guess it's uh you know I wish I could blame the drugs but no I guess the the worst I could blame is the uh is the booze Peter but uh, I appreciate the question um how long did Peter hang on to ask that question it looks like about a half hour all right four open lines if you want to try and squeeze in an interesting question a clever question before we run out of time here we'll try and get to as many as we can in the next 5 minutes 800-848-9222 Larry is in Brooklyn hello Larry what's your question Yes, Frank. Hi. With reference to the Cooper Union riot, if the facts are as alleged that the police were not allowed in the building and the president walked out the back door while the Jewish students were locked in the library, should she have to resign, Laura Sparks? Well, I'd want to know uh, more about the the incident, but um, but yeah, but yeah. I mean, I think that uh, I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty damning. I, I as as alleged, I think that Cooper Union situation is a, a tremendous failure of leadership. Not only not only campus morale and things of that nature, but just basic tenets of security. So I would say again, with the caveat that I'd want to know, um, you know, the full details. Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty close to inexcusable, Larry. 
Thank you. Thank you. 800-848-9222. For the first time in a while, and again, maybe this is due to my chronic drug use, we actually have five open lines for Ask Frank Anything. So if you want to try and squeeze a uh, call in, you can do so. 800-848-9222. Let me tell you what's coming up next hour. want to get into this Clean Slate Act. And if you have opinions about the Clean Slate Act, you can call in next hour. And then my guest is going to be a gentleman that I've really enjoyed talking to. I'm going to talk with Mark Shaw. Mark Shaw is an attorney, an investigative journalist. He's written many books. And over the last five or six years, His folk, maybe more than that, but at least the last five or six years, his focus has been the John F. Kennedy assassination. We're just a couple of days away from the 60th anniversary from of the Kennedy assassination. And my goal is in the next few days to uh, try to focus on uh, as much of that and as many perspectives as we can. So I'm looking forward to uh, talking with him about some new information that he believes he's uncovered on the Warren Commission front. So that's coming up. And then in an hour, we have denunciations. There's a lot of people who I have problems with, and I plan to call them out a little bit later. A very controversial story out of Massachusetts that I'll give you the facts on, give you my take on, and invite uh, invite you to comment. Isabel is in Manhattan. Hi, Isabel. Hi, Frank. Um, why is Peter such a jerk? That's my question. <laughs> well, I, look, I don't thank you, Isabel. I appreciate uh, the uh, backup there. But uh, honestly, I don't think anybody that listens to this show is a jerk. Even if you don't like me, even if you think I'm a dope, if you're going to not only listen to this show but participate in it, I think that's a, a great thing, and uh, I am happy to have them. And, you know, it was kind of funny. <laughs> you haven't done drugs. Why are you such a dope? Maybe I am a dope. Who's to say, right? 800-848-9222. Vinny in Brooklyn, what's your question? Yes, sir. If, if, do you, two little questions. Do you believe we're responsible for our actions? I do. Okay, then with that understanding, if we're responsible for our actions, then everything that's happening in the world is perfect for everyone because they're reaping the fruits of their actions. Yeah, I, I don't view it that way, Vinny, but I get what you mean. It's kind of a logical trap. Gary and in Inwood, I think we're going to have you be our last question for the day. What's your question? Good morning, Frank. Do you think Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone? <sighs> you know, as I mentioned yesterday in my interview with uh, Mr. Roth, m- my answer to that for the last... So prior to 20 years ago, I didn't think about that. Um, over the last 20 years, my answer has been No. Oswald didn't act alone, but uh, the book that Fred Litwin wrote and my interview with him has changed my view. I go back and forth. If you're putting a gun to my head, pardon the pun, I think no, he did not act alone. Matt Blaze, question. Walker, Manhattan. Walker, call back. The rest of you, keep asking questions.